0: just go to cars.com It's magical. Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. It's it's in the middle. They play together. They believe. Um, it cares. Levert it's cold. Levert. Back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday Shot clock down to six. Finds one. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We always want to hear from you. Get your feedback. Let us know what you like, dislike. If you have anything, you know, questions, comments, uh, be sure to hit me up on Twitter over at MSchindlerNBA or down below in the comments on Indy Cornrows. Uh, we do this for you guys. So, uh, anything we can do to improve it or, or make it something more that, that that you're even more interested in? Let us know. Um, so I'm coming at you the day after uh, the loss to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Pacers dropped one thirteen to ninety seven yesterday. They're, they're twenty two and twenty seven headed into tonight's matchup with the Minnesota Timberwolves, putting them at ninth in the Eastern Conference. And the Bulls are, I think, yeah, they're a half game back after winning, and they also took the season series uh, two to one last night. Uh, which is going to be interesting looking at playoff implications moving forward. Um, a lot of things to dissect from this game uh, after re-watching this morning. Uh, I had a lot of thoughts last night, but I just kind of wanted to wait and uh, re-watch in the morning before I had anything else to say. Um, obviously, this is a tough one coming in because you're without Demonis Sabonis. You're without Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, obviously, of course, TJ Warren is not playing, as we know. Um, it just... Uh, the team was in a really tough spot going in. But regardless, there are there some things that were just not great. Uh, um, I mean, what, what sticks out right away is defense. Uh, the defense has been better recently for the team, but it kind of fell apart last night. And it wasn't just with Miles Turner going down, which we'll talk about um, shortly. But they just got put inside pick and roll routinely. So what do I mean? I mean, uh, the Bulls were routinely spacing the floor so there were three guys on the weak side. And they were running a two-man empty corner pick and roll uh, oftentimes. And with Vooch and Zach Levine, that's fantastic. They were running it a lot with Thad Young, too. Um, Thad Young was absolutely killer last night um, in terms of getting guys open. His facilitation, which I talked about with Rob Schaefer yesterday, has been uh, incredible this year. And, I mean, that was on full display yesterday. And his defense as well. Uh, He finished with 14-7-5. Like, just really good stat line. Was absolutely, you know, tearing things up. You had multiple guys for the Bulls who had five-plus assists. They had, yeah, four guys with five or more assists. Again, I'm not just trying to read the box scores, but that stuff stands out to me. Uh, Nicole Vucevic was freaking dominant yesterday, uh, 32 points, 17 rebounds, five assists, was four of seven from three. Um, didn't even get to the free throw line and was putting up that kind of, uh, kind of number. So it's not on Miles Turner. It's more just the defense in general. And how they looked yesterday, they started off like, okay. they didn't really play much zone in the first quarter and a half. And then they started playing primarily zone uh, towards the end of the second quarter. And it just got eviscerated. Um, They were struggling a little bit early with the Vooch pick and pop actions uh, because Miles was having to sink back and protect on secondary drives. They were doing a good job handling initial drives and um, initial actions of the offense but then as the scramble went through and then, you know, Miles was sinking back to protect the rim because that's his job. That's what he does. At least Vooch wide open. And they had absolutely nothing to counter that, it felt like. Um, and it was just really tough with the pick and roll as well on the side, like I was mentioning. I mean, Miles was playing well. Um, Vooch was getting his still, though. Uh, and it's not entirely just on Miles. There, were, there was a lot of issues with uh, the transition. D was awful. Um Normally, the Pacers are fine on transition defense. Normally, actually pretty good. But last night, they just got a ton of mismatches out of it. And that was part of what led to the the run in the second quarter where the Bulls kind of extended their lead out um, and were able to really take the game from there. But a lot of stuff where you just have, uh, I mean, Miles is getting back in time to to go protect the rim, but then somebody else is ending up on Vooch or or Miles. uh, There was like a one where like Goga, um, it took a while for go to get down. Cause again, he's kind of slow. Um, but just relatively compared to like guards, forwards, wings. Um, and he just, I, I don't even remember who the matchup was on, but he ends up like getting, uh, like somebody else gets Vooch matched up on them down in the post. It's just like stuff like that, like small things that are, uh, absolutely killer in looking at your defense long-term. Um, so the what, what what's wrong with the zone? Well, it feels like the zone was there were flashes of it looking okay last night. Um but then it's just closeouts or, or it's not the closeouts that are, that are a problem, it's like the way that guys are having to close out because of how far they are off of somebody. Like um they'll do a good job collapsing on the first drive, but then they don't like the the guys at the top of the zone like yesterday an issue with with uh, with Kerris, ball offball defense has not been good. Uh, as we talked about on the pod, but like there was a great example. I think they were playing it. It was, I want to say they were in 2 3 yesterday when this happened. Um, initial drive happens. They stop it. They collapse uh, a- after, you know, collapsing and, and they stop the, the initial drive. Well, Karras doesn't get back out to Zach Le- to, um, to the top of the key and, and Zach Levine just relocates. He's wide open. Um, and Karis closes late. It was not a very good closeout, but, um, just like stuff like that, they they let up a ton of wide open shots because, that while they do scramble on the initial drive, they don't really get back in position very well, um, and that that's been that was just a, I mean on full display last night. So many open shots for the Bulls, um, against the zone. Um, Keelan Martin, I, I do want to say Keelan Martin had been okay in his first game. Um, he, he hit those three threes, but also I thought he had some mistakes offensively and defensively. Last night he was he was rough. Um, he got more play down the stretch, but just in terms of the minutes that he played before, um, I mean, before garbage time, like he just, he, he kind of struggled last night. Jakar didn't really have an awesome game either. I mean, he was fine, but he got lost a few times defensively. Um, he wasn't fantastic offensively either. I was really Intrigued by what Aaron Holiday did, though. Um, he, I'm saying that as he had four points, uh, and like an assist on a board, like nothing crazy. He didn't hit a three, um, but he got to the free throw line a couple times. He had a really, some just some quality passes out of pick and roll, and his defense was fantastic last night. I thought he had a couple of really nice plays uh, that I didn't end up clipping, but uh, it just he's he's been really engaged and locked in defensively, and I I think he's kind of. Um, starting to, to iron a rollback out for himself, which it's helped with injuries that have come through and whatnot. Um, I don't know if he's going to have a consistent role moving forward still, but again, I thought it was promising. He had a solid game and he's been good for the left, la- or I shouldn't say good, but like good in his role for the last four games uh, that he's had consistent run. Um, so that's been an interesting development. Uh, something that I had a question about, not to you guys, but just in general, like, Um, I was a little bit, I don't want to say I was confused by starting Sumner. I got why they started Sumner. I think maybe you could have questioned starting Doug McDermott last night. Um, It just felt like with the way that the Bulls go across the board, I mean, we'll talk about the offensive rebounding in a minute, but the way that the Bulls start, I mean, the Bulls start essentially four forwards. Um, They had every single player, on their roster, I mean, not on the roster. Every single player in their starting five is was taller than all but you know two Pacers starters. And then if you just throw Zach Levine out of that, then every single starter for the Bulls is uh, taller than Doug McDermott or or the same. So like they just had a point being they have a lot of length in their starting lineup with Patrick Williams. I think he's six foot nine. Uh, Thad six eight six nine. I've always thought he's taller than six eight. I think he probably is about six foot nine. Uh, I mean, Vooch is obviously a huge guy. Sadoransky's is like six seven, so even if it's not necessarily like huge size, they have a lot of like. I mean, like Satoransky like Doug, like he's six seven, but he's not exactly like he's not a strong six seven. And let's not to say like I mean, you, you get the point. Relative, relative to being in the NBA, um, but they really struggled with that size right out the gate. Like Thad Young, like completely punished them on the uh, on the offensive end, and I mean defensively too, it was fantastic, but. Um, he had some easy putbacks. He had some easy mismatches early on uh, because they played Ed Sumner on him. And Ed, I, we'll talk about Ed's game in a minute, but like, um, he, I just didn't understand that. I think either you start Jakar just f- just for that initial look, because you know that they're starting essentially, uh, you know, three and a half forwards uh, and a big in their starting lineup. Like, you have to contend with that length somehow right out the gate. So I was a little bit confused by not not starting Jakar because I mean right away they went to Z- they, I mean they went to Thad Young in the post ASAP as soon as they saw that Sumner was on him uh, they got got Sumner in early foul trouble which was not his fault. I mean he's six foot four six foot five trying to guard Thad and Thad is really strong really strong obviously has a lot of size on him so he's trying to front him but at the same time it's just like it's not enough. If you have Jakar you can play him one on one. I, you're probably giving something away offensively, but I just think for the initial three or four minutes, you have that look and it's something uh, because, the, I, th- I mean, I don't know. I just thought that was something that they could have really utilized yesterday. And again, it's not even that you take Ed out. I know you want the spacing. It's hard to, space, I mean, to start Ed and Jakar together, considering that that's pretty inconsistent spacing. But it just felt like there was something that could have been maybe a little bit different there. Um, but at the same time, too, There really weren't a lot of options on the roster and that's just kind of the nature of the beast right now with how banged up the team is um regardless just a a rough start the game started off pretty ugly um in terms of like you know the shot making wasn't awesome from either team uh like out the gates and I thought both were playing solid defensively um but regardless just a, a small thing that that stood out to me uh talking about Ed's game in general I mean I thought Ed he only played 18 minutes last night, finished with 15 points. But I thought he did some nice stuff in the non-garbage time minutes. Uh, again, showing more of the driving to the rim. Didn't have any passes that really stood out last night. Um, but he got to the free throw line. I mean, Ed continues to just be really good uh, in, in what he can open up with the drive game. And I want to see more of it. Um, but last night just wasn't necessarily his night. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get to some of the more overarching stuff Um Justin holiday continues to really struggle. Um, he only took two field goals last night in 23 minutes. Uh, part of it was he just couldn't get anything open because they weren't getting a lot of, um, they weren't getting a lot of gravity off their initial actions, or even if they were, they weren't really kicking the ball around. Well, um, Justin's two looks where he had a, a really heavily contested three was his first shot. Um, and then i mean uh, justin took four shots i looked at i was looking at three point shooting but point being uh like his first two shots are a wide uh, not a wide open uh he had to take a step back three pointer cuz that was on him he couldn't get around him off the closeout um, and then his second one was like a scripted uh, curl for a a, a um, for a, a two point pull up and that's just not really his game um, and that's kind of indicative of how much the offense was struggling yesterday in my opinion um, like this is just a throw in the last two weeks to, to point, paint how bad the offense has been, they're 23rd in offensive rating over the last two weeks. Uh, and the defense has been 11th actually, which is nice, but the the offense has just really been struggling. Uh, really bogged down yesterday. Um, one last thing I would want to hit on before I talk about some more overarching stuff in the second segment. Um, the rebounding was killer. Uh, and I just want to point out again, I've said this multiple times. It really is not like something that you can just paint on miles. I I saw people pointing out yesterday, well, miles only had four rebounds in 20 minutes. Um, I mean, he's blocking the initial action. Like he's a, he's altering the shot with his verticality and taking that guy out of the play. So somebody who, whoever rotated as the low man, um, or whoever was on the uh, initial ball handler, like you have to, you have to box out. Um, that was an issue so many times last night. Like this is, I actually thought, I mean, the offensive rebounding wasn't, it was rough to start cause you had the, the initial ones that happened. Um, but then it really is what blew open the game because it was 40 to 45. So Pacers were down 40 to 45, um, with not too long left in the second. And then they, uh, miles blocks a shot. Um, and they have four guys in the paint to one guy. Who, who comes in late. Um, no one boxes him out. He gets the offensive rebound, kicks it out to Zach Levine, and it's a wide-open three. And that really is what opened up the run for the Bulls to, to make it a double-digit lead. And that's another issue, too. I mean, the rebounding in the zone is even worse. Um, they, are, they they just are not good at, at boxing out. Like, it's it's not... It really is not on Miles. Like, he's not a great individual rebounder. Normally, he's solid at boxing guys out, and I just didn't think that the rebounding was on him yesterday because he was doing a really good job of stopping uh, drives at the rim. But people have to clean up. Like, the, the the guards and wings have to come down and actually be able to get the rebounds, and that just didn't happen yesterday. And that's been the story uh, more often than not. I don't think you can just keep pointing out, well, look at Miles' in- individual rebounding numbers. I always bring this up, like – uh, not on on pod, but you look at a guy like Brooke Lopez, he's always been criticized for the same issues. Um, he's not a bad rebounder. He's fantastic at, at, at stopping his man, not allowing him to get the rebound. And, of course, Miles will let guys get the rebound sometimes over him, but it's not as consistent as I think people make it out to be. Um, like it, It's just like defense. I mean, I mean, because it is defense. I think we don't talk about rebounding enough as part of defense you have to contain your man or you just, you have to box out your man. Otherwise he's going to get the rebound or somebody's going to get the rebound because you're not, um, boxing out. And it's just, it just happens too often. Um, I don't know how that's going to get fixed. It's just been an issue for the team for so long. Um, I, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really reticent to say that that's a, a fixable problem right now, just given what the roster is, but we'll see on that. Um, so we're going to take a quick break before we come back and talk about a few more uh, overarching things that uh, that I'm looking for. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down – we break down who will be cutting – cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Just go to Frito-Lay No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends four three, 2023 void hit prohibitive. Here's worth the snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito snack at Welcome back. All right. Um, so I have two things that I really want to talk about. Um, number one, we're just going to start off with it. I did not mention Karis at all in the first segment. Karis had a really good game last night. uh, 20 points, on decent efficiency, uh, took 18 shots Did not get to the line at all. Um, I really want to talk about his pull-up shooting because this is something that has started to really stick out to me again. It's hard because he had a good game yesterday, but there were parts of it that were just like, ah, dude, you're it's, you can see like things are so close to like being, um, what the Pacers need cares to be. And I ideally what Karis needs Karras to be because it'll be even better for him. Um, He's a capable pull-up shooter, but I think he's at the stage where it was almost that with Victor post injury. Like he just does it a little bit too much. And it's different because I think he can actually get to the rim where Victor was at a stage where he didn't have the burst to get to the rim unless he was coming off a screen. Like I think Karis has the ability and the shake to really get to the rim more, but he's uh he's pulling up a lot. And I just want to give you guys some numbers because I was doing some dives this morning. Uh, before I, I, I really wanted to tackle this and make sure that I had like the right data behind it. So, this is just to give you an idea of some of Karras' shooting splits. Um, so, on pull-up twos, he's shooting thirty-six point nine percent, which is not a good mark. Um, on uh, pull-up threes, he's shooting thirty-four point one percent on just under four a game, which is decent. It's not bad. Uh, it's not like amazing. Um, like I, I think like the top pull-up shooting guys like Dame uh, is shooting like, you know, close to 36, 37% on pull-up threes. So it's solid. Um, And it it shows like he seems a lot more comfortable taking uh, shots from three when he's pulling up than in catch and shoot. And that jives with the numbers. He's shooting 31.3% on catch and shoot threes on two a game right now, which is not good. That is a really bad mark on catch and shoot threes. So I like him getting the pull-up threes. I want to see him take more of those um, because he's he's solid at them and that's something that makes the defense pay if they go under screens and it's like that's a weapon you can mix in like caitlin and i talked about this with tj warren and she's written about it like being able to force teams to go over uh is important and we saw with malcolm how much he struggled when teams started going under when he wasn't hitting his pull-up threes um but my point being i i'm fine with karis taking the pull-up threes or i, I shouldn't even say that i'm fine with them like i should just say you know they're fine for the team right now because those shots make sense. The pull-up twos are where um, there's some head scratchers. Like he he hit a couple last night that were solid, but there were so many where he had a step on his man and he could could get to the rim. And it's not even that he's going to finish at the rim. It's not even about like the individual shot. It's more about what he's doing to the defense and what it could do to the defense. Because if he gets all the way to the rim, he could kick out to the corner after fully collapsing the defense and using that advantage more for the, for the guys on the team who need it. Um, not, and that sounds like such a odd way to talk about it, but it's like, think about it just in terms of if you cause the initial shift to be farther than just 12 feet in and it's all the way to the rim, you have, uh, your man beat, you're able to use that to get more open looks for everyone else. Um, and that's why you, they need him to be driving all the way to the rim a little bit more. Like I was looking this morning, Karis in terms of guys, uh, wings who have played like 500 minutes or more um he's in like the 90th nine, 90th to 95th percentile in drives at the rim. it's it was 96th percentile I don't know why I lied I knew it was 96th percentile I just didn't want to sound like uh I knew everything um but he's getting to he's driving almost 15 times per 75 possessions which is a ton like that is like prime Victor Oladipo levels of driving um and it's just again Actually taking those all the way to the rim is so important for the offense, uh, and, and for the other guys and getting more open looks. And it's important for him too. And part of the issue is like I don't want to I I don't think that he's a selfish player or anything. I don't like when people say that. But he has had a tendency to over dribble recently. And this is another thing that that kind of stands out to me. When Karras holds the ball, like like a, a touch, a possession for him, a touch and a possession is is how it's categorized on NBA.com. Um If he holds the ball for two to six seconds, he shoots 45.3%, which is solid on seven shots um, per game. When he holds the ball for six-plus seconds, he shoots 36%, and that's five times per game on average. That is a stark difference. And I would point out if he's holding the ball for six-plus seconds, it's probably because it's in an isolation or uh, a late shot clock scenario or something. Um, So he's trying to create out of thin air a little bit. But also, I mean, there are just a lot of times, like there was a possession yesterday that stands out in my mind. They ran double drags. Um, He got a solid um, lead on his man out of the pick and roll uh, off the second screen. Um, And he pulled back out to to go into isolation, but then he dribbled for like four or five seconds. So he ends up using like 14 seconds off the shot clock. Like that's just not a good possession. Um, And he ends up hitting the shot. So you're going to say, well, Mark, that's a good possession. Well, yes and no. In that moment, it's a good possession. But if that possession is happening over and over again, like it's not happening every time, but it's happening every three or four possessions. Like that can't be every three or four possessions because that's not efficient basketball. It's not really efficient for Karis, and it's not efficient for the team. Um, So I'm not trying to be overly critical because – Again, I, like I've said on multiple pods, like he's coming back from a very difficult thing to come back from. I don't expect him to be fully back for a while still, even if he uh, he necessarily is uh, is even if he's back fully health wise. Like it's going to take time for him to get used to being part of a completely new team. You know, like that that has a factor. Um, but just point being, that's something that the team really needs him to adjust to. And he needs to adjust too, too to really up his efficiency because it was an issue for him in Brooklyn. Like he's a very good player, but the like he's just not quite good enough of a pull-up shooter to do it as often as he's as he's doing it. And it's also just a little bit like head scratching because a lot of times if you watch a guy who is taking a lot of pull ups, they're doing it for a reason. Like um, because they can't get to the rim. And that's what's a little bit vexing because Karras can get to the rim. Like he has the length and the shake to get there. Um, and he just doesn't get there all the time, and I just want to see that more because it, it'll be so good for him. And like, not even that I'm expecting him to finish at a high rate at the rim. Like he's a slightly below average rim finisher, probably because some of his looks are really difficult. But um, I don't know. I just I really want to see that for him, and, and I, I think that's the next step for him as he grows with this with the team, and and the team really needs to see that from him as well because that'll just benefit everyone else playing. Um, I, and I want to point out too this is not all bad. Like Karras has been phenomenal in the pick and roll. Um Like I, I think he's already surpassed. Malcolm as the best pick and roll ball handler on the team. And that's not to be critical to Malcolm. Like he, I just think Karras has a little bit better floor vision. He has more height. He has more length that he can use to, um, to just see over the defense and, uh he has a slightly better vision um sometimes I should say sometimes because he does have a little bit of tunnel vision with the pull-ups like we're mentioning um but I just think he has like he has a little bit more of a dynamic that Malcolm doesn't quite have and that's why we've talked about you know like well Karis is probably going to be the guy who's the lead ball handler I don't think that he's like a, a point guard or anything like Caitlin talked about this uh I mean yeah Caitlin and I talked about this and it's just it's not at that level Um, but he, he does show a lot of really intriguing flashes there that are great for, for the offense. Um, but again, it's just connecting that with more drives that the end at the rim, or at least the drive stops and the ball gets kicked out at the rim. Um, but in terms of pick and roll, uh, the two man game with Domas has been really good. I'm interested to see the two man game with miles grow. It looked really good yesterday in some regards. Um, it wasn't perfect. Uh, they don't have the same kind of screening ability, obviously. Uh, Miles is uh, able to provide more in the pick-and-pop game, and I would like to see that more. Like, I really like they were running uh, some double drag sets yesterday with both guys popping, uh, and I like that a lot for Miles because I think if you um, – this is just me thinking it might not be correct, but I think if you are able to do more double drag with, with Miles and have him pop instead of having one of the guys roll um, – you give Karras, A, a one-on-one drive to the rim, which I like, because maybe if you have a one-on-one drive to the rim, guys are collapsing on him less. Or maybe, like, the guy who's uh, guarding Miles doesn't end up taking Karras, too. Um, like, if instead of – okay, so if Karras has two guys in the paint because Miles is there and they're helping off of him onto Karis, and Karras doesn't find Miles, well, that's ending up likely in a, a not-great, slightly inefficient pull-up shot. Um, if you have miles popping and he gets, and Karras gets double teamed, we saw yesterday when that happened, uh, he had two really nice, uh, behind the back drop-offs, uh, two miles that were, you know, wide open threes. I think miles missed one of them, but the other one was, uh, a swish. Like, I want to see more of that because I think a really good stuff for miles. It's easy. Um, that's stuff that you can run until it doesn't work and then try and find counters, um, I want to see more of that because I think it, A, like I mentioned, it gives Karras more of a clear path, easier reads. Um, Miles just isn't, it's not like Miles is like a bad role man, but I just think teams are going to have to pay more if Miles is popping than if he's rolling in some regards. Um, and I may change my thinking on that, but who knows? Um, but th- just an intriguing stat to like point out how well uh, Karras is running pick and roll right now. A- amongst players who are running pick and roll five times or more per game, um, He's averaging 1.03 points per possession out of pick and roll, which is fantastic. Um, That's like shooting, you know, over 50% on a shot, um, which we like. We like that. That is good. Um, That's 85th percentile among players who are doing that. So that puts him like sandwiched between Kyrie Irving and DeMar DeRozan. And that's just the 13-game sample size with the Pacers. Um, But regardless, I think that's really intriguing. I like that a lot. Uh, His his two-man game with Sabonis is so good, like we already mentioned, but... Um. But again, I, I'm intrigued to see how it grows and, and how his reads and progressions grow, and maybe you can cut out some of those mid rangers. Um. Last thing that I want to talk about, obviously, Miles Turner injured his ankle yesterday. Uh, they diagnosed it as a sprain. Um. First of all, I really hope that he's okay. Um. That sucks. He had a, just an absolutely sick block on, on Pat Williams. Um. Made an incredible play on the ball to. Not foul Pat, first of all, and get the clean block, but then he injured his ankle doing it, which sucks. Um, it immediately impacted the team. It went to garbage time pretty quickly from there. Um, and you just – I mean, you just really hope that he's okay. I have no idea yet uh, if Domas is going to play tonight, so you could very well see Goga starting um, without a real backup. So, I mean, Jakar will be the backup, but I still just – I mean, Jakar's not really a center. Um, I, I just – With where the team is at injury-wise and where they're at now, um, like we mentioned earlier, down to 22-7, ninth in the East, Chicago is on their way up. I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago surpasses Indiana this week because they have a relatively easy schedule right now. Um, It's – I just don't know what to think about where this team is at Um, because I think just the way that – every well, no, I do know where to think. Uh, I don't think that the team should necessarily tank – um, I'm not ever going to be about that, but I just think with how things have gone this year, um, I really want to see them give more rest to their veteran players, maybe try and I mean just keep playing editon, uh play the bench a little bit more. I'm not saying that you should ship out wins, but I don't think losing is the worst right now. Uh, because I think there's an opportunity for this team to maybe fall back into the lottery and take advantage of, of a top pick that can help them. Moving forward. Uh, I mentioned this with Rob Schaefer yesterday, but just having somebody who can come in on a rookie scale deal and contribute as a high end talent um, and grow with the team that this core that is going to be, you know, you're based on what KP has said and just ideology, they're going to be together for two or three years, maybe a little bit longer. I mean, they want something long term. Of course, you're always going to retool something as you go. Um but just getting that kind of pick instead of uh, ending up in the playoffs and getting like the 17th or 18th pick, um, like I, I get there's merit to clawing back in and, and making it uh, to a first-round series and not just the play-in. Um, but I just question how worth it it will be because, I mean, I think the team would learn something from a playoff series and get something out of it, and I would love to see them play in the playoffs. I, I, am, I don't have the right or wrong answer here. Um, and I'm not trying to claim that I do, but I just think um, there's an opportunity to really try and acquire some more talent on the team that is is clearly lacking. And a part of that's with TJ out, but I just think if you get one more guy who can do a little something, um, that would really go a long way for the team. And again, I'm not sure it's going to happen. I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom, um, but I know most of you are already at that point. So that's why I'm bringing it up now because it's finally just like, okay. Um I, I just don't know what to what to say about their odds right now. Um I mean I don't know. Maybe my opinion on this will change in the coming days. I think tonight is gonna to be very indicative. Like even if they don't have uh Domas or Miles and maybe Brogdon comes back, like if they lose to the Wolves and fall to uh, to twenty two and twenty eight, I mean that's uh six games out of five hundred you're still not that far out of being in, you know, the real playoff contention. I mean, the four seed right now is Atlanta at 27 and 24, so they're not even that far ahead of Indiana. But at the same time, it's just I don't know, it, like so much changed up for for this team in in, a, in in getting a new coach, getting a new completely new coaching staff, um, really overturning so much. And I know a lot of people were expecting more this year. I was not like, I don't mean to just like keep running a victory lap with that. But my point is like, I think if this team's going to get better, they have to take the step back, which they clearly have this year. Part of that's been playing different. A lot of that's been injuries. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just think that you have to take that opportunity and see what happens. And I, I'm sure the team is not really interested in um, taking that, that, that place because that's not something that they've ever done. They don't ever do that. Um, and I, I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. I frankly am a fan of the fact that the Pacers never tank. I like that they're consistent and they always try and be good, but at some point you do have to take the opportunity to say, Hey, we have to recollect. We have to regather, um, and, and find what we're doing moving forward. And I think this is the year to do it, but I just, I'm not, I'm not sure it's going to happen. Um, regardless, uh, a lot to look forward to in the Minnesota game tonight. Um, there's always something to look forward to. I want to point that out. Like as much as it is stunk that the team has not performed well recently, like the Spurs game was awesome. But like point being like Ed watching Ed Sumner grow has been a joy. Watching Gogo Batazi grow has been a joy. There are little things that you can pick up on that are, are really cool to root for and, and look at this year. And I know that the team is not winning at the level that that people want. Um, but I know it's not easy to just look towards towards next year and the years coming, but the team still does have a bright future in my opinion. Um, And you just have to keep that in the back of your mind watching. I'm sure me saying this is not going to sway it for any of you, Um, but just uh, try and remember that. Uh, And if you, if you need a reminder, hit me up and I'll I I try and be really positive about everything. Uh, Sometimes overly positive, but hell life uh, you only live it once. So you may as well. Right. Um, all right, well, that is enough of me rambling for today. I don't have anything else that I really want to talk about. I don't feel like getting into the Minnesota game because we've already seen them play this year. Um, they are certainly different. Uh, they've been better uh, since they hired Chris Finch after firing Ryan Saunders. I do think it's going to be a much tougher matchup this time around, especially if, I mean, without Miles and if Domas doesn't play, Carl uh, Anthony Towns is going to give this team hell. Um, Anthony Edwards has been on an absolute tear since they, they last played Looks really good. Um, Jaden McDaniels is insanely fun. Like they have a good team. That, well, not a good team. They have the makings of being a good team eventually. I know D'Angelo Russell, I believe, is back tonight. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Tom and I will be back on. We'll be back on later tonight for Pacers After Dark after the Minnesota game. Have a good rest of your day, and thank you for listening.